0: hello everybody and welcome to crossfire faith and gaming we're going to talk today about uh whether or not churches should be online the importance of online ministry playstation acquiring bungie um mlb the show coming to the nintendo switch and a whole lot more so stick around for more on our podcast we'll be right back This is the Reverend David Petty, and I'm joined by my co-host Russ Dornish so a couple things uh we are live recording this um and i just saw somebody comment in this chat that uh you were muted the whole time so uh not sure if we're gonna have to go back and redo the whole first half of this podcast uh it should be coming through uh i double checked one other check thing and at least recording um, me and um, getting my audio we should be recording and getting the audio we might we might just recap the news really quick uh we'll do a, a rapid fire recap but i like the steam deck uh i think the steam deck is uh uh, it's gonna be it, first of its kind right I think super mobile Nintendo switch style uh, device I also think if they come out with really good docking abilities especially if it was a dock that kind of boosts its performance um, for the ability for people to play those PC games with a controller uh, and maybe somebody that says look I love PC gaming but I want the living room experience uh, it's you know it's gonna be a good thing and they don't produce the steam uh, what was the thing called the steam? i don't know i've got two of them it connects the tv and it it broadcasts your steam but uh can't remember what it was called so anyway uh really quick just in case this didn't record let's go back and rapid fire talk about some of the things that we just talked about and if it did record then i guess i'll cut this section out and uh, we'll see where it goes do you want to double check too that my audio is actually working uh let's see here so uh, glue eater says it's good uh so thank you glue eater on twitch but uh, alright, so let's rapid fire run back through it. We started off with news about MLB The Show coming to Nintendo Switch. Russ, yep. tell us about the big news, the purchase
1: of the day. Uh, purchase of the day, Wordle to New York Times for low seven figures. Uh, that is definitely the news of the day. Uh, we also got PlayStation linking with Discord.
0: Uh, so now when you're playing your PlayStation games uh, and you're logged into Discord, I can see what you're playing.
1: Excellent. Yeah, you'll be able to see, Everyone will, and you'll be able yeah. to see my PSN, all that wonderful stuff. Uh, Steam Deck, obviously, we just talked about that. The release date. Um, I'm trying to think. Was that we wrong? talked about the Halo trailer? Are You excited oh, about that's that? Right. Yes, yes. Uh, definitely not. I'm, I'm very waiting. I'm waiting to see what happens with that. Uh, I guess any any other big news happening? I think I think we could talk about the big news,
0: uh, which uh, you know might change somebody's destiny.
1: <laughs> We're going to really do that, aren't we? Uh, the big news of the day, PlayStation acquires Bungie. Of course, you know Bungie, they're the original creators of Halo. So on one week, uh, Xbox buys Activision and Crash Bandicoot and on the other week, Sony buys Bungie, the creators of Halo. Uh, the arms race is happening uh, as somebody posted a nice Yoda gif, GIF, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the console wars have begun uh, and they have gone into full force this month. Uh, PlayStation acquires Bungie for a total of 3.6 billion. I think so. So, you know, way
0: smaller, you know, way t- tiny, tiny acquisition compared to uh, blizzard Activision being picked up by Xbox. But I think the other thing we saw some news, uh, I got a tweet here that, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, got a tweet here from uh it says Jim Ryan uh, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan says more acquisitions are on the way following the Bungie deal so uh that was tweeted recently that we should expect more so we'll see what comes out and i do think with all of these acquisitions my big question is not just what are you buying that currently exists but what do you know about what these companies have in their in their future ip development that you go uh, we're willing to buy that because it's an investment in the future i mean that's that's the yeah. big question also uh, a yeah. quick whats up to uh, ursa ringer in the chat but yeah, so tell uh, me what are what are your thoughts about this acquisition? And uh, is this going to be a game changer? Is this going to be just a kind of bolster PlayStation Studios?
1: A, a, a couple things, okay. The big one I want to I want to make mention to everybody, uh, whoever's watching, whatever you're doing, if you're listening to this later on, um, this is not actually technically indirect, uh, r- resulting from the Activision purchase. Purchases take months to put together. This has obviously been in the works. Nobody knew about the Activision deal, so nobody knew about this deal. They're doing these behind closed doors, so the big thing you want to say is this is not Sony reacting to the Activision stuff. This is not Microsoft responding to potentially Sony getting Bungie by doing Activision. So what is going on right now behind the scenes in the gaming industry? I have no idea, but it seems like a lot. And the fact that Jim Ryan then tweeted and said, this is not the end of the acquisitions, we are looking at getting some more right now, tells me they're probably in negotiations with some other studios right now. They're looking to spend money. Both companies are looking to spend money um, and they have the money to spend. And so we are going to see more consolidation of the market, which we already talked about last week. I don't see as a good thing if we continue down this path. Uh, I'm not going to be a a Sony pony in the way of saying like, yes, we got Bungie. Uh, When last week we were complaining about the Xbox deal with Activision. Uh, I'm still going to say this is not good. We are slowly seeing the consolidation of the gaming market into a few companies owning everything and being the uh, the publishers for everything. Now, whether that actually leads to exclusives in the future, this deal is very weird in how it is worded. Uh, I'm going to just read a couple things for you guys real quick. You can find over on uh, Bungie's website, they actually have a fact about this partnership and what it means for Destiny and future games. Uh, the big one is, Will Destiny 2 have an immediate impact on how I play and experience Destiny 2? Uh Bungie responds, no. Our commitment to Destiny 2 as a multi-platform will always remain unchanged. Look forward to playing the Witch Queen on February 22nd on the platform of your choice. Second, will Destiny 2 experience PlayStation um uh exclusive as far as DLC expansion packs, all of that that we've seen in the past? No, Bungie retains full creative independence for our games and community. Our plans for the Light and Dark Saga are unchanged all the way through the final shape in 2024. Notice 2024 as a date, because what most likely means is anything released past that could be some platform exclusives. Here's the last big one, though. Bungie has future games in development. Will they become PlayStation exclusives? No. We want the worlds we are creating to extend to anywhere people play games. We will continue to be self-published. Creatively independent, and we will continue to drive one unified bungee community. Okay. Here's the thing Microsoft or X Sony just spent $3.6 billion on them. I understand that they're supposed to be autonomous, they're supposed to be on their own. It still doesn't mean that Sony does not own them. They own them now. Um, so I could see in the future, I'm I'm saying, you know, four or five years down the road, we could see Bungie either developing multiple games with maybe one being an exclusive for Sony. Um, and then them continuing the idea. Uh, I also told Dave this. I've seen this all over the internet. I've seen um, plenty of people in the know saying the biggest part of this purchase that Sony wanted, as far as Bungie goes, was their ability to do games as a service. Right now, Sony does not have that in their repertoire. Uh, EA has it with you know all their games. Let's be honest. EA is a games for service platform. Uh, Activision was that with COD. So Xbox acquired somebody who's in that market. So now, you know, Epic has Fortnite. Uh, Sony Ubisoft, have anything. too. Ubisoft uh, has Ubisoft Uplay Plus. Tech? Yes, they they have lots of things that, you know, have those microtransactions, are ongoing games, you know, that are available. So I think this is Sony's kind of way of going in there, getting the technology, maybe partnering with Bungie, because they do that a lot with their studios where they will share resources to help them figure out and create a Sony platform-exclusive platform exclusive Um, games as a service. It won't have the Bungie title on it. Maybe, you know, I've heard rumors of uh, Sucker Punch potentially doing a games as a service game that they're developing. Um, There's a couple other studios I read today that are are working on multiplayer online uh, functionality games. Uh, And I have a feeling that this acquisition is to have Bungie help them figure out how to do crossplay, how to do um, the online service, all of that. So it is much bigger than just acquiring a studio now. Uh, if we want to, we could, we we kind of already did this last week of like, okay, what other studios could be purchased? What other publishers could be purchased? What could be happening to the games industry? And if anything is to like roll around in my head, I still think a couple that could eventually come out, especially for Sony, uh, would be more on the Japanese side. We haven't seen any Japanese acquisitions. I don't know if they're just not looking for that, which very well could be true. But Sony does have good relationships with several, including Square Enix. And of course, the big one that everybody is like waiting for for something to drop is Konami. Not that they, that that Sony or, or Microsoft or anybody would acquire Konami, but acquire their IPs by their gaming library, because right now Konami is not doing games. They are doing their Pachinko. And just using IPs to make pachinko games, you know, over in Asia for casinos, Uh, they have not done anything with games. They do not have any like active involved game studios from what we hear. They're pretty much just wanting to license IPs. So if somebody wants to, they could scoop in and say, you know, I will give you, I don't know, uh, $800 million and you give me access to your IPs or you give me the IPs or $1.2 billion and give me the IPs. Um, because they do have a ton of i another one that i've heard though too dave uh is capcom uh, another japanese company that maybe who knows sega is out there too uh those are all things that could potentially drop dave what are your thoughts on this purchase and do you what what, what could you see being another purchase out there that actually makes sense uh for sony since we know they're going to be doing something
0: hmm um Gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember the the companies, uh, the Jeff Keely's uh, Twitter feed, what he posted about the uh, the companies that were uh, still available and roughly what they cost. <clears throat> I mean, I think uh, you know, Take Two would be an interesting one. Uh, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not, given that Take Two just bought Zynga and now they're worth more. Um, but you know still possible i think would be uh given take two and rockstar games history with playstation uh you know could be a potential thing out there um I I still think Ubisoft would be interesting for somebody to acquire. Um, the fact that they've been kind of out there independently and, uh, you know, when Stadia came out and of course everybody knows I was a big Stadia evangelist back in the day. Uh, I really thought that Google was going to acquire Ubisoft the way that they were talking about partnering with them and creating multi-platform games. And, uh, you know, but it just never, never happened. And then, you know, still I'm, I'm wondering about the future of, uh, of stadia and whether that's going to be a thing or not. Uh, and then last but not least with that, I think that the big question, just really quick side note on stadia is I still think that Google and Amazon are not getting into the games industry. I think they are learning about the games industry so that they can advertise with a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, I, I, just given their history with things like Google voice, uh, that, you know, Google voice was this free phone service and rather than actually have a phone service as an end game, they said, no, no, no. All we were doing was we were learning what people's voices sound like so that when we put out our digital assistant, it knows what people's voices sound like and a bunch of people did the work for us. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they said, we're actually going to do this to find out what games people are playing, how they play, where they play, uh, so that we can, do something on the other end. Um, try to think other acquisitions that could be possible. Oof. Let's see.
1: Glue, glue Eater in the comments brought up a good one, which is Kojima Productions. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I just wonder if Kojima having left Konami and wanting to go independent. if I mean, because he could have easily walked into Sony's office and said, Hey, I want to join Sony. Open me a studio. And they would have said yes. Instead, right. he opened his own with a little bit of help from Sony um to get going so they do have a good relationship but i wonder if it's more of one of those things of like let kojima do his thing we'll we'll fork over your money in the side you don't want to be a part of us just yet see how it goes and then we'll see where where it goes from there um i i don't think he would be a a big a big purchase because honestly it could have already happened uh, right because he could have just joined him um i i think you pretty much named the ones that i think you know ubisoft uh Here's the other one that people keep bringing up when I'm like, if this ever happened, that'd be insane. But like Microsoft buying EA, uh, that would be the craziest thing I probably have ever seen. I, I Honestly, I mean, this month has been Which, which we, given their current
0: partnership with EA, the fact that when you buy Game Pass, you get access to all the EA games, it, yeah. it wouldn't be that much different if they just bought them and just said, we're just gonna erase the little thing on the top, and instead of having to load the EA loader as well, you just—it's just all there. So
1: I mean, I, that that one would be massive. I—it's—it's it's gonna be interesting. Hold on to your shorts, everybody. Uh, the gaming industry has just gotten insane, and it's only gonna get more insane this year. I have a feeling 2022 is gonna be a very crazy year for games. Not just in the games we're gonna get at release, but all of this gaming stuff that is happening. Literally in a month, we've had Zynga bought up. We've had activision bought up we've had uh you know now i i still just get bungie being bought up like you know this is the third company to own bungie by the way well
0: i was looking into that you know the idea that that bungie released halo on the xbox and we were talking earlier about how uh halo really made the xbox and yet it was originally developed and was first debuted by apple right steve jobs was the first one to show off halo and you know gosh how different a world it would be if that uh, had stayed the case that halo was an apple product but uh
1: yeah I, I don't know well and and not to mention that bungie was just recently a activision company until right. they split off so had they still been with activision they'd be owned by microsoft again right now <laughs> So like, what is going on? This is just insane. I mean, if you went back and told Russ back in high school, "Oh, Sony was going to own Bungie," which, by the way, that's during Halo's heyday and Bungie's heyday, and uh, Xbox was going to own Activision, I would have been like, "This, what type of gaming like apocalypse are you living in in twenty years from now?" Because that is just some insane news and insane information. I, I just, it, it's crazy that this is where we're at. Well,
0: or if you would have gone back and told me that uh, the uh, creators of uh, Grand Theft Auto were going to buy the creators of Farmville for $13 billion, I mean, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> it's a crazy world, right? Crazy world. I know. World. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and I see uh, uh, okay, in the, well, in the chat. Blueeater says Rockstar would be crazy if it got better. So again, Rockstar owned by Take Two Interactive. Uh, Take Two buying Farmville for twelve billion. So I think Take
1: Two is worth some like thirty billion now. Uh um, oh, it's got to be more than that with that with that at recent acquisition. But the point is, they're not selling. Let's be honest. Yeah, I I doubt Take it. Two, you don't you don't buy Zynga one week and then three weeks later sell yourself away. That's what everyone's bringing up take two is definitely not one of those they're one of the ones unless unless you're just trying to
0: up your price and you say well now zynga's part of us we bought them for 12.7 and so therefore now we're worth a whole lot more
1: i guarantee you like if they were to actually sell i get their market value is listed at like 12 billion or something like that i guarantee if take two were to sell uh they'd be looking at like 80 billion 80 billion to 100 billion I'm throwing out crazy numbers, but honestly, I feel like that would have to be it. You're talking about
0: I don't, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. So I mean, Zynga, right? Twelve point seven billion. Take two currently has a market cap of eighteen billion, and that's they still have not finished the acquisition of Zynga. So you you combine the two, and you're up to thirty billion, right? I think thirty billion is is a reasonable price tag for Take Two with Zynga included. But anyway, all of that said. I want to transition us into uh, otherwise we're never going to get into our Monday night chat, but um, I want to transition us into our question of the day. So we're going to, we're going to take a moment and we're going to do a hard shift. Um, Cause I want to talk church for a bit. Uh, we're talking oh, about all and, these companies and, and all their online games and, and us, what are we talking about us?
1: Well, I think this has a lot to do with us. Yes. Who we are crossfire.
0: Absolutely. So, An article came out today. Uh, Russ shared it with me. It is an article from the New York Times. It's an opinion piece. Uh, I was trying to find the name of the author here, uh, Tish Harrison Warren, who is a priest in the Anglican Church in North America, author of a book called Prayer in the Night for those who watch or weep. She posted on the New York Times opinion page basically an article saying churches need to stop doing online worship and get back to in-person worship because online worship is not the church. Russ, did I I do a good job summarizing? What were your other thoughts from the article or other summaries in the article?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's technically what it is. And and again, go read it for yourself if you can. It's behind a paywall, unfortunately. Um, It's being talked about all over the place. Uh, Some of her, her big points were, you know, online was fine when COVID first started and we needed to be out of the church, but Covid's done now. This is again her saying this. Covid is done now. We need to get back in the building. We need to stop enabling people to stay home to not prioritize church to just do online. That's not the way the church is. Um, I'll have to look for it in the actual article what she said because there was a, a an interesting line that I that she used it, and a word that she uses for why this is happening. But needless to say, it's oh th- this is what she said. We seek to worship holy with a heart, soul, mind, and strength, and embodiment is an irreducible part of that wholeness. She talks about this embodiment and how the embodiment of the church is not able to happen when you use online. And so because of that, you know whether or not one attends religious services, people need embodied community. She just keeps bringing this up embodied is a particular important part of Christian spirituality and theology. She just constantly goes back to this idea that we all have to be here physically in the same building together to actually bring the word of God, to bring the fulfillment of what Christianity and religion is all about. And it has, I mean, at least on my side of things, I've seen a lot of people not happy with it and and for very good reason. And you and I have discussed this off air what we thought of it. Um, but I think the, the, big list, the biggest thing that I, I think this shows a lack of um, acknowledgement and understanding is just the idea that it, this isn't just about what, what they want to call lazy people who don't want to go to church. This is about the people who are unable to go to church, whether it is for physical reasons or mental reasons. Both are two huge aspects to why people choose online church. And I think that goes directly into what we're doing here at Crossfire as a online entity and an online church that people are able to attend throughout the week and be a part of and be a part of a community. Um, I think it just goes absolutely against what our mission here and what our idea is. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on, on this and and what do you have to say about, you know, that idea of embodied worship having to be in person?
0: Yeah, I think I've got a couple of thoughts. Uh, number one. Uh, my first thought when I read this article was uh, that it was extremely ableist, right? Uh, it's coming from a perspective that says, look, everybody can come to church. So why don't you just get back to coming to church? Uh, it, it ignores the fact that for some people, they physically are not able to leave the house or it's extremely difficult to leave the house. Um, I, I actually have a woman in my congregation uh, that I serve right now in Colorado Springs who, who physically, I mean, cannot leave her house any longer. Um, she's got extreme rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, basically, if she walks, on her legs, they fracture. So unless somebody were to take her out of the house, get her dressed, bring her to church, uh, it would be an extreme undertaking. And instead she can open up her computer, click a button and she can be in worship. Now I do think there's something to be said for, uh, for participation, right? Uh, we've experienced a really lot, a lot of participation through zoom, uh, with our online fellowship. I do think that that participation is an important piece of a faith community rather than just uh, watching, right? So passive participation. But the other thing I think is the pandemic offers us the opportunity, and we've done this through Crossfire quite a bit, for what does it look like for the church to be asynchronous rather than required to be at the same place in the same time. And I think we've seen this trend with uh, with games. We've I'm, you know, Maybe not so much games, but uh, I guess somewhat, right? You can play games that are turn-based where I play a piece and then later you play a piece. My sister and I used to play a, a version of Carcassonne this way on our, our tablets. So I would play a piece on Carcassonne and then later it would tell me that she played her piece. Yeah, it took us a week to get through it, but it was an asynchronous experience. We didn't have to be in the same place at the same time. Um, yep and I remember, um, man, my video just got really fuzzy and weird. I don't know. But, um, I remember talking to a guy, he worked for an oil company. He worked seven on seven off and, uh, sometimes nights, sometimes days. So trying to have a regular church attendance schedule was nearly impossible for him in that industry. So would the suggestion be that he just quit his job so he can attend church weekly or could he stay participating when he's not able to physically be there and participate online? Um, so I think that that online church is a huge opportunity for us to really reach into the corners and, and be a church for everybody. I mean, not just the people who are physically able to get out of the house, physically able to get dressed, mentally able to come and sit in a pew uh, for a long period of time. I mean, people with autism and ADHD, that becomes very difficult. Uh, You know, people with extreme social anxiety, that becomes difficult not to mention the physical disabilities. Um, You name it. So I think, uh, yes, right? Technically, everything we do is embodied because we are people in bodies. And we have experienced through Crossfire, through the creation of the weekly fellowship that you and I are missing right now because we're recording the podcast, um, we've experienced real friendships and real closeness and real community and real spiritual devotions and real prayer sometimes with people we've never even met in person. And I think that's an extremely beautiful thing. So for this idea that we should just stop doing online worship and only go back to in person. um, I, I just think it completely ignores the fact that we are able to reach more people in online ways and with more options than we would otherwise. I mean, imagine going to, you know, some company and uh, going to ESPN and saying, you know what? Sports are way more fun to watch in person. We should stop broadcasting
1: sports. I'm, <laughs> it's I mean, to say that because honestly though, all the sports teams would like that because that's how they get more money. Um, is making people come to the games and not watch watching TV, but, um, but the, TV the example
0: of Turner broadcasting and the Atlanta Braves way back in the day, yeah. they started offering the Braves games to people. They thought they were going to lose a ton of money because people were never going to come down to the games. And what they found was actually that they created more Braves fans yeah. by offering the, the games so that people could stay tuned. People could stay watching. People don't have the money to go down and see an in-person sports game every single week. And so you can stay up with what's happening. You can stay involved with your community even if you can't make it every single week. So, I mean, that's that's another thing. What about people who travel for work or who regularly have to be out of
1: town? I don't know. I mean, there's all those things. And I, I mean, b- being able to offer online functionality, I mean, I can give you our example in our church. You know, we live in Montana, where it is cold and terrible and horrible in the winter. Well, guess what? We have a ton of snowbirds in our church. And since we started doing online this past year and a half, they have absolutely loved that they are still a part of our church, even when uh, it they're they're not living here at the moment. You know, they spend half their year down in Arizona, and they usually go to the Methodist Church down there. Well, now what they're doing is they'll go to the Methodist Church down there, sure but they'll also watch online and still feel a part of our community year round. Whereas before it was like, we don't know what's happening at our church at home for the next six months. When we get home, it's a complete shock and surprise at what's going on. Now us as crossfire. I mean, you, like you said, our, our Monday night discord hangouts and fellowship and community time. That is, you know, the church's community time, you know, the, our podcast and all that, that is the sermon. And then we have the ability to meet up once a week and, Let's discuss things. Let's dive deeper. Let's let's look at, you know, religious things. Let's look at, you know, our, the fun things that we do, our, our gaming and all that stuff. It's it's something different. And, you know, as as we grow this and as the community gets bigger and as Crossfire gets bigger, you know, there'll be more opportunity for online things. And I think that one thing I saw somebody say was just like, well, it's not the same because you're not talking to somebody. You're not, you know, shoulder to shoulder talking to somebody face to face. I'm like, you know, that's great for some people. Some people need that. Gotcha. Great. Good for you. Keep doing it. But we have met so many people that are like, "I like this way better." Like I am much more comfortable talking to somebody over a microphone online than I am in person. Okay? Whether that's because of, you know, uh, trauma, whether that's because of just social anxieties, other mental things that that do affect people in society, we offer a solution for those people that they don't get at church. You know that that anxiety of having to walk in a door and meet new people or heck the the worst part about these the inverse opposite where you go into a church and nobody even knows you're there and you just walk in and you feel alone right away as soon as you walk in because it's like I am alone Um, versus this online community that we can create and we can all come together based on a joint and similar um, appreciation and hobby of games and you know, being a nerd, being a geek, whatever you want to call it. You have this connection to people right away, which makes it super easy to talk to each other because we all have something in common. Um, and that's what we're seeing right now. And, and so, yes, when I first read this article and saw what was going on, it it made up a big social media was a blast about it. Um, I'm sitting there going like, we're doing the exact opposite of what this person is talking about and we're seeing massive success. Uh, unlike some churches are seeing, I mean, heck, I, I would call honestly crossfire at some points, more successful than a lot of the churches out there. I honestly think what this is, is it's a lot of the mega churches, the, the evangelical church like this lady is involved with, seeing people move away from the in-person. And as a result, I think this more has to do, and, and this may be a, a very controversial idea to this, but I feel like that a lot of these people who are scared about online services and stuff like that, what they're seeing is the potential of the money drying up the money getting lower for their churches. If they are not producing and doing the things they need to do online, they're going to lose people to these other places that are going to do online church better than they are. And to them that's like, "Oh no, we're losing this source. We're we're shrinking our our model is not working." Because honestly, the way I see it is mega churches, the reason why they are so successful uh and and why, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of younger people like going to them is, you know, you need a lot less buy-in as far as people spending their money on church. You know, when you have 5,000 people, if everybody just gives five bucks a week into the offering jar, they're going to be able to function. Whereas smaller churches, the way I see it is, you know, that 10% is really important when you have 50, 60, 70 people, because that's the only way you're going to fund the church. Um, and and the problem is with online, you know, it's, it is harder to get people to buy in for that. You know, we don't have a building. We don't have this overhead that is physically and and able to see. And and that has been an issue, but that's not what it's about for us. It's about bringing that community together. It's about, you know, creating a space for people to come together and have those things that we are alike. And so I, I see an article like that. and I just feel like that is them calling out. Um, you know, churches for what they're doing and saying, you you can't break the mold. We don't like change, and we're seeing too much of it, and we don't want it to go in this direction. So I, I, I feel like that is an aspect to it. I, I'm not sure if I'm off base here. Dave, what you think I'm yeah, going anywhere? Well, those?
0: yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of thoughts on what you were saying. And number one, I think that yep. um, the other the other appeal to mega churches is really high production value uh, and offerings for so many varieties of people that smaller churches just can't do. I mean, you know, we were certainly attracted uh, as as a younger couple uh, with a young kid with special needs. We were attracted to a larger church that had offerings that were able to meet special needs. Uh, accommodations for a child versus a smaller church that, you know, maybe doesn't have the staffing to do that. Um, that being said, I think, you know, you look at the recent news that came out, uh, just January 10th. I mean, this is 20 days ago, uh, that the Potter's house in Denver, I don't know if you saw that news Potter's house in Denver, which is uh, an extension of TD Jake's ministry, um, Uh massive mega church out of LA, uh, Potter's house decided to abandon and close down their 32 acre property. Property and one hundred and thirty seven thousand square foot building. Okay. Massive, massive mega church church had averaged 10,000 worshipers, live attendance and 300,000 weekly YouTube views. But they decided to sell their property in order to just go forward with online ministries. So you see things like that. And I think people are getting scared What's going to happen when you stop having local community gatherings? And I will say, this is the thing that I actually would agree, is I do think that we need to be careful not to just become church uh, viewers, right? I do think church is beyond viewership. I think small groups, uh, participation, um, active engagement. And then how do we act as, you know, I believe the church should be empowering congregants to be ministers in the world. And so as a, as a pastor myself, my job is not just to minister. My job is to empower the congregation so that they can minister. Right. Um, So I do think there is some, some uh, trepidation, some hesitancy towards online worship to say, we need to be careful that we don't just become a really good production that shows uh, a worship service to a lot of viewers. So from that standpoint, I totally agree, but I think we need to go beyond that. And we need to ask the hard question of what does church look like in a digital world? So I think those are my thoughts. I'd be really curious to hear people's thoughts, uh, either, uh, in the chat or in the comments of our stuff later. Uh, I was also even thinking we could theoretically, I could pop over into crossfire into our monday night chat bring everybody Uh, into the conversation see what they think maybe not
1: what do we do do this because again i i don't think you just drop it on random (laughs) people and say oh you're live on twitch by the way by the way (laughs) all right we could say and and especially if we go forward with this of recording live um if you want to listen to it live great if you're listening to this in your car great um but if you are live and you are watching this right now you could jump into our discord with us right now as we end out the podcast and you can we can have this chat and we can have the conversation. I know I'm I'm sure with the people who we have right now in the discord we could have this conversation of, you know, what do you think of this article? What's the online, you know, perspective? Do you think online church is okay? Um and and what is your what are your thoughts? So we we're going to carry this conversation over into the discord once we finish up here. Um, And if you guys in the future are listening to this, you know, not live and want to join us live and then move into discord. Great. That's the whole point of doing this is let's get a little bit more interaction. Let's get a little bit more, uh, you know, being a part of what we're actually doing live Um, and also allowing you guys to have the option that if you just want to listen to this as a podcast later on, you have that option as well. So this is going to kind of be the format going forward. And uh, we hope that you join us if you're just listening to us for the first time. Make sure you check out our website, crossfirepodcast.com. It's also up Uh, here at the
0: top. I've got Uh, churchforgamers.com.
1: Easier to remember. That all goes the same place. But, yeah. Uh, And, uh, of course, all our social media is down below. Um, Feel free to follow us and find out more information and join our Discord and come hang out and have community and fellowship time with us. The goal is eventually to have more nights that we are hanging out on Discord um, you can also find people to play games with, all that fun stuff. So make sure you guys check us out. Um, other than that, we will see you guys at the next podcast uh yep and a couple uh, of quick
0: notes about our community uh just wanted to say that uh at crossfire we are an open inclusive and affirming faith-based community uh we are a podcast affiliated with the united methodist church but open to all people of all faiths ages ethnicities ancestries genders gender identities sexual orientations national origins abilities races sizes socioeconomic backgrounds or any other categorization that has been historically used to divide us as human beings and not to deny our identity as beloved Creations of God. So today we extend a special welcome to everybody who's out there who's single or married, divorced, LGBTQ, straight, wealthy, financially struggling, young, and old. We welcome those who might be over 60 but have not grown up yet. We welcome teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome those who don't like organized religion, those who are visiting from out of town, and those who came with grandma. We welcome soccer moms, Boy Scout dads, NASCAR fans, vegetarians, exercise enthusiasts, junk food eaters, everybody in recovery, those who are still battling addiction we welcome people of every race ethnicity and cultural background we welcome people who are passionate about their faith and those people who are still wrestling so that is who we are and this is what we do and we will see you in the future here at crossfire god bless and have a wonderful week thank
1: you guys